I will ask that uh, you kneel with me. Let's come before the Lord. Let's have a season of prayer. And then we'll get into our worship here for um, our divine study here for uh, this morning. So please kneel with me if you can. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy holy name. Father, we praise you from our hearts. We thank you for all the wonderful things that you continually uh, do for us. You send angels to walk with us and help us in the way and protect us from the evil one and from danger. Uh, You uh, pour out blessings upon us. We have homes and we have food and we have all the necessities of life. Uh, We may even, some of us, uh, have some luxuries and it's because of your blessings. And Father, we pray that uh, you will give us of the Holy Spirit that we may have a thankful heart we may be uh, like our Savior and have compassion for everyone and be kind and courteous and speak uh, uh, words of love. Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit will come upon us and, and give us understanding as we study your word this morning. And we pray that the Holy Spirit will cultivate within us a, a complete love for the truth. And Father, we know that we do have each one of us as we walk with Jesus We do have some darkness yet in us. And so we pray that the Holy Spirit will uncover this for us, that we may put these things away, and that we may walk more and more in the light of Christ. Please forgive us our sins, Lord. We claim the blood of Jesus that was shed there at Calvary. And we humbly ask that you will forgive us as you've promised, not because we're worthy in any way, Father, but because Jesus is. And we lift up before you those on our prayer lists. We lift up our families. Uh, The devil is attacking our children and our families at a voracious rate. And we pray, Lord, that you would put that protection around us and keep them safe until Jesus can return and find us worthy. And we lift up uh, Dee Clark here. She's got uh, a back injury. We pray that you will heal her, Lord, so she can be a, a wonderful witness for you of your healing power. We also ask humbly, Lord, that you will be with Gary and James uh, as their father. It doesn't look well uh, that he's going to live much longer. And Father, he's had a hard road. We pray that he may uh, sleep soundly until your return. And Father, we also ask that uh, you give the uh, message for today. Give me the words to speak. May it touch hearts and be your words, not mine. And convict hearts of the truth. And encourage us to continue to walk with Jesus and be found faithful. I thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer, for I ask it in the blessed name of Jesus, who is worthy. Amen. Well, friends, I'm kind of in a transition here uh, in what we've been studying. We've been looking at uh, who and what the church is for a good while now and, and the characteristics that the Bible lays out for that. And part of that makeup, part of those characteristics, is that God's church will be organized. And, and uh, in fact, I'll, I'll probably get into talking about uh, uh, the prophets talks oftentimes about denominated. And we'll, we'll get into what does that mean? What is the definition of denominated? Uh, because it's a little bit different than what most people think um, and what the prophet is saying. Uh, but uh, there is gospel order. 
But I'm in kind of a, a transition here from who and what the church is trans, uh, uh, getting into uh, uh, um, that organization, those principles of organization. And so for the next few weeks, there's some transition messages here, uh, messages of, of you know, uh, encouragement, um, uh, some recap of, of who and what the church is and some of these principles, tying these things in together. And so uh, today's message is a message of encouragement and along with that that theme of who and what the church is I've entitled it Advance in the Light Advance in the Light In Genesis chapter 1 we get the description of creation week and in fact it's our introduction to today's study so uh, take your Bibles please turn to the beginning of your Bible with me to Genesis chapter 1 Excuse me there, I needed to get a drink. Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to read the first <clears throat> first five verses. And we're familiar with this, aren't we? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And notice this, it says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, what was the first thing? Let there be what? Light. Okay? Let there be light. And what happened? There was light. And God saw the light, and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Notice that. Who divided the, the light from the darkness? God did. God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now there's a, a you know, with a, almost every scripture, virtually every scripture, uh, there are lessons for us. We could deal with just one scripture at a time and, and, and uh, learn uh, quite a lot. In fact, it's been my experience that God can pack a lot into so little. <laughs> it's remarkable to me. How God does that, I don't know. But uh, I remember that God works on multiplication. We work on addition. So, so here we have the beginning. And, and at the outset, we find of creation here, there was only darkness that existed on this formless earth. It was a place where no life existed. Okay, And a change took place with the entrance of light. It was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. But then there was, there was a change with the entrance of light. And I want you to, to think about this. Without light, there could be no life, you see. And as the Creator began the work of bringing order from chaos and of, of introducing various forms of you know, plant and animal life upon the earth, well, it was essential that there be light. Light is a visible, oftentimes, not all light is visible to the human eye, but light is a visible form of energy. And uh, uh, its action on, uh, by its action on plants, and, and it transforms uh, inorganic elements and compounds into food for, you know, for us, for animals. And it controls many other natural processes that are necessary for life. Light is necessary 
for life to exist, for physical life to exist and spiritual life to exist. Darkness is lifeless, for it is the absence of light. That's the definition of darkness. Did you know that? It is the absence of light. And when I think about this, I was looking here in Genesis 1, I mean, is it any wonder that the devil will show himself as an angel of light? If he revealed himself for what he truly is, you know, the angel of darkness and death, not a soul would want anything to do with him. Now, in the study of God's Word, light has ever been a symbol of, the, of God's presence, of divine presence. As physical light is essential to physical life, so divine light is necessary, friends, if rational beings are to have moral and spiritual life. The Apostle John says in 1 John 1.5, he says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him, and declare unto you that God is what? Light, and in Him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all in God. Now consider this as we look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4 um, and verse 11. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. And he gave some, that is God, speaking of God, he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Now why did he give these? Paul goes on, he says, he gave these for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And he continues, this is all for a purpose, you see. It's so that the saints can be perfected, so that they can do the work of the ministry, which will edify the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a, there's that P word, perfect man. And what kind of perfect man? What is the definition of the perfect man? He finishes by saying, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What he's speaking about here in just these um, three verses, essentially, is the whole mission of God for His people. So He sends gifts. He sends uh, gifts to people. He gives them gifts so that they can build up the body of Christ. They're used as servants. They're used as tools, you see, in essence, to reach people. And the whole purpose is to, to come into the stature of the fullness of Christ. And what he's speaking of is to have the character that Jesus has. That character that He showed us when He came here to earth. And for us to be like Jesus in character, we must get to the point where there is no darkness in us at all. <laughs> you see? And the only way that this can be accomplished is if we continue to advance in the light of Christ. Now, both the Old and the New Testament have a lot to say about uh, advancing with the light. We look at Proverbs 4 and verse 18, and I shared this with you actually last Sabbath too. It says, But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. And I think that this goes 
perfectly. I think, in fact, this is what Paul was thinking of. This is one of the scriptures he was thinking of when he was speaking to the church there at Ephesus. And he gave some apostles and some prophets for what? Perfecting of the saints. They're walking on that path. They're the just in God's eyes, see? Because they have given their whole heart to God. They are accepted of the brethren. They are in the body of Christ. And so that path is just. It's a shining light. It's going to shine more and more until there is no darkness in them at all unto the perfect day. And he says a path there. What is a path? A path is a place where you walk, isn't it? And as you walk that path, if you stay on it, the light is going to become brighter and brighter. And we're talking about that that path of the just. That path that leads to the kingdom, see? And it's going, to, it's going to come brighter and brighter as you walk along there. But it is also true. See, there's another side of the coin there. Because remember, we read in Genesis 1 where God said, let there be light, and He divided light and darkness, didn't He? So there's, there's the light, it's on the path, but what's not on the path? That's darkness. See, it's true that if you don't keep walking on the path, the light is going to become darkness because the light is moving. You have to move with it. It gets brighter as you move with it. So, well, we want to advance with the light, don't we? Now, what is meant by light? When I talk about this, advancing the light, what's meant by light in the context of the Bible? The psalmist says in Psalms 119 and verse 105, and this is one that's very familiar to all of you, isn't it? Thy word is a what? Lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my what? Path. So when we talk about light in the context of the Bible, Jesus Himself said, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is a lamp, thy word is truth. In the Bible context, we can say that light is representative of the truth of God. Would you agree with that? Does that sound reasonable? Now the Bible talks about uh, a, a special kind of truth. And I that, that's my way of describing it. It's a special kind of truth. It's called present truth. We find in 2 Peter 1 and verse 12, Peter talks about this, present truth. It says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. This is interesting. Peter is saying we are to be established in the present truth. Now, there are certain things... I mean, let's consider this for just a moment. Present truth. There are certain things that can be preached at one particular time uh, that cannot be, pre be preached uh, at another particular time on the path. Huh? And, and I'm not saying that um, it's not... Uh, uh, edifying to know what the truth is at all times. What I'm saying is that 
the line is advancing, and where it is at any particular time is considered to be present truth for that time. As an example, Noah preached a message about a flood. That was his present truth, wasn't it? That is where the light was at that time in biblical history. Now, there are some truths that are timeless. But there is some truth that is present truth. Good morning. Good to see you. Gene's the greeter for today. I'll let him handle that. Delegate. They'll learn to delegate. <laughs> I'm talking about... Uh, um, my message is entitled, Advance in the Light. So, I'm describing light. Uh, in the context of the Bible, light is, as the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. And Jesus said, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is true. So, in the Bible context, uh, uh, we can say that light is representative of Bible truth. And then, the Bible talks about a special, I've, t- I've termed it kind of a special truth, and it's present truth. And so, uh, as I was explaining just a moment ago, there are certain things that can be preached at one particular time that can't really be preached at another particular time um, because light is advancing, and wherever it is at any particular time is considered to be present truth. And as an example, I said Noah preached about a flood, that was his present truth, but that's not our present truth. And so, present truth today is not exactly the same as it was a hundred years ago. And I think uh, that's not too tough a a concept to grasp. (laughs) The light is always increasing, uh, uh, and this is something you'll find out in your study, especially of the Gospels, and you look at Jesus' life, and you get into prophecy, you'll find that light is always increasing or advancing. So considering present truth and, and, and the overall what I've been preaching and, and speaking about for the last several weeks is uh, who and what the church is. And I'm kind of transitioning from that. We kind of are coming out of that and getting into organization. What is Bible organization? Because God's people are to be organized for service. And what exactly is that? Man has his ideas of what it is. God lays out what it is. <laughs> you see? And so, as we think about present truth now, do you realize, and speaking of God's people, do you realize that we are in a very similar uh, uh, position uh, to, to what the Jews were in when Jesus was here? Very similar. You see what had happened then. The devil had manipulated them into a situation uh, through what they had been taught and what they had believed. It was taught in the families. It was taught by the rabbis. It was tradition where they were ready to reject truth. And here's the deception. The, the, the power of deception that the devil has is that you will reject truth thinking you're rejecting error. <laughs> okay? 
But I want to I want to tell you what Jesus said here. Notice what he said in John 12. And this was our scripture reading for today. John 12, verse 35, he said, Yet a little while is the light with you. What's he tell us to do? Walk while ye have the light. Now notice he didn't say, Sit while you have the light. Right? Lay down while you have the light. What did he say? He said, Walk while you have the light. Because if you don't walk while you have the light, what's he say? Lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed, did hide himself from them. In fact, this was the last time that Jesus was at the temple. And it was the last day of his public ministry. That's why they said that he left and he hid himself. And, okay. But it goes on to say that although he had done many miracles before them in his ministry, they didn't believe. They built up a list. You see, this is and this is what the devil has done generation after generation. They built up a list of man-made criteria and said that if Jesus was the Messiah, he had to meet this criteria. And they could prove their criteria from the Old Testament. Well, of course, that's all they had was the Old Testament then. But they could prove it. And that's what we have. we've had century after century after century. People using the Scriptures to justify their own preconceived ideas or traditions and judging the truth on that, see, criteria. Well, Jesus didn't meet their criteria. And let me tell you, friends, if you study religious history you'll find that almost every time prophecy is fulfilled, if you study history, you'll, you'll find this, it is not fulfilled in the way that our preconceived ideas thought it would be fulfilled. But it's fulfilled nonetheless, isn't it? <laughs> if you're not walking in the light, if you step back a step, soon the light is two steps ahead of you. And then three steps. And then you're in the dark. People who were once in the light are now in the dark, but they the thing is, the deception is they still think they're in the light. See, I mentioned earlier, that's why the devil comes as an angel of light. You see? Jesus, everywhere he went, virtually everywhere he went, people were attracted to him. And it wasn't because he was good looking. He was some handsome stud strutting around. Bible says he was rather homely. He was like a root out of dry ground. You guys have a lot of that, only out of wet ways. <laughs> you see roots everywhere down here in Florida. So he, they weren't attracted to to his physical appearance. They were attracted to his character. He was compassionate. He was loving. They saw it in his eyes. They saw it in his actions. See. People were attracted to Him. So, they're attracted to light. That's part of... uh, I mentioned earlier that they're in this great controversy. There are rules of engagement. The devil can't just do anything he wants. God has to allow him to. God can't do anything he wants. There are rules of engagement in this great controversy. But people are attracted 
to the truth for the most part. You, you don't, I don't run into too many people, well, I should say I'm running into more and more people that probably aren't attracted to the truth, <laughs> but there, people have this, you know, because uh, if you lift Jesus up, he says he will draw all people unto him, see? And so if the devil comes as an angel of light, because if he didn't come as an angel of light, nobody would want anything to do with him. Because they're naturally attracted to the truth, they're attracted to that light. Um, and that's why he's able to deceive. See? And so, if you're not walking in the light, if you stand still, because remember what Jesus said, he said, walk while you have the light. And say, stand still. If you stand still, and I'll give you an example, I, and I run into this from time to time, when I'm giving Bible studies, there's always a, a subject that comes up that's hard for someone to accept. And it's different subjects. Some of it's state of the dead. A lot of times it's the Sabbath. But state of the dead, hell, um, baptism, you know, it just it varies. But that will become a sticking point with them. And I of course I encourage and continue to study. And Jesus, I point them right here to John 12. Jesus says, walk while you have the light. I mean, if He brings truth to us, we are going to have to make a decision. And let me tell you something, if you don't make a decision, you're making a decision, aren't you? And so, we want to walk with that light. Because if you don't walk with the light, Jesus goes on, the devil steps in as an angel of light, and you, you follow the false light. You'll get into fanaticism, you'll get into, or completely out of the faith altogether. I've seen that happen too many times. Now, the Jews, they thought that they were still in the light. But they were not in the light at all. And I'm talking about the leadership, the, what I would term the curia of the time, <laughs> you know. And because of them, the people. Because the people trusted the leadership. They trusted that they spoke for God. And so, but they thought that they were in the light. But Jesus made it very plain to them that they were not in the light. He said in John 12.46, He said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on Me should not abide in darkness. Now, why would He have to say that to His people if they were accepting the light? They would know He was the light. Okay? They were in the dark, but they thought they were in the light. And if allowed, the devil can change your perception in such ways that you believe that you're in the light when in actuality you're in the dark. In fact, people are going to be, the world is going to be putting God's people to death thinking they're doing God's service. And that's what they did when they hung Jesus to the tree. They thought, we're doing God's will here. It was the wrong God. <laughs> Jesus says, walk while you have the light. And we're living in a time where my words to you would be step fast, beloved, because the light's moving pretty quick. And if you don't step fast, you're going to be in the dark and you'll lose your soul and not even know it until it's too late. And Jesus said, while you have the light, walk in it. Because if you don't, darkness overtakes you. And you'll not even know where you're going. You'll think you're headed for the kingdom of heaven. But when Jesus comes, you know what's going to happen? You're going to have the most awful, bitter shock of your life. You know, in the parables that Jesus said, you know, cast him out. Remember the man who came to the wedding feast and he didn't put the garment on? 
cast him out. And what's the description? Where there is... It's darkness. Toss him out into utter darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever... Have you ever made a mistake? I'll, I'll just... I'll put it this way. I've made mistakes before. Where I knew better. You know? But there was this like little glimmer of hope, you know, of, well, yeah, maybe it'll, you know. But no, I knew better it happened, and you just, oh, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I hit my thumb one time several months ago. <laughs> no, it sounds like a small example, but it was a very painful example. Because <laughs> I, I was too lazy. I know, that's a surprise. Gene's got that look on his face. I was too lazy to go out to my truck and get my my regular 18-ounce hammer, you know, and two pounds and this nail would be in. I used a little tack hammer. I'm putting a carpet strip down. And I'm pound, I put like four nails in. I'm like, yeah, this is working okay. And this one was being stingy. And I'm pounding and pounding and pounding on it. Didn't have the right size hammer. And my thumb's right there. And for the split second, the thought is, this isn't a very good idea. Because I saw my thumb. Well, evidently, that directed my hand to my thumb. And whack! And it was one of those, oh, I was gnashing my teeth going, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I should have went out and got the, you know, the 18 ounce hand. I would have been done already. I, I broke the tip of my thumb. I whacked it so hard. You know? And this is, this is the danger, see, of this deception. If we don't, if the Lord brings truth to us and we don't walk in that light, it's going to be advancing. In other words, if you're not walking, you're standing still. You're either standing still or you're walking backwards. You know? And it's going to keep going. Now, with each individual, we're on different parts of the path, depending on our experience. The important part, Jesus didn't say all walk together. Now, he did talk about unity, and organization is a part of that. In fact, that's one of the characteristics of the church, too. But individually speaking, our walk is an individual walk with Christ, and we're on different parts of the path. What he's trying to do is get us all to the end of the path together. <laughs> See? And if we're not walking, it's going to be a very bitter experience and a shock when Jesus returns. You'll find out that you're lost and it's too late then. There's no second chance, is there? I want you to notice a statement here out of Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1. And this just... Uh, this should grab our attention. I was shown the startling fact that but a small portion of those who now profess the truth will be sanctified by it and be saved. That's a very somber statement. This is a prophet of God, and she was shown. This isn't just an opinion. What did she mean by this? Well, I'm going to tell you very, very soon we're going to find out, friends. We must be advancing in the light or we'll be among those who are not saved. And let me say that this too, because I've run into this before, old light, remember what was light in Bible context? It's truth, isn't it? truth of God's Word. Old light is not replaced by new light. See? 
what we read in Proverbs was it shines brighter and brighter, see, till we see more clearly. Sometimes a person will say, well, they have new light. And I don't know if you've ever run into anybody like that. I run into, dare I say, all too often. Um, I have new light, and I don't dismiss it until I've studied it out. Uh, but after studying out, I find out that this supposed new light doesn't brighten the old light. See? It does away with it in some way. Well, that's a big red flag that says, this ain't new light. This ain't from God. This is from that angel that comes, uh, that dark angel that comes in the form of light, an angel of light. And, and, but sad to say, it's happening more and more today among God's professed people. And I'll just encourage you to beware of those who declare that they have new light that sheds away with the old landmarks. You don't want to go there. I've, I know too many people who have, and they're out of the faith now. It's remarkable how it happens. And I've got some, one who was preaching the three angels' messages. He was a pastor. Now he's into, he believes that the, you go into a different sphere. He Virtually he's like a, a, the old Egyptians. You go down that river of life and you go to a different sphere. And this guy at one time was an Adventist minister preaching the three angels' message. So friends, it's the devil has power. Don't think he doesn't have power. Let's go on to uh, this. I'll share with you Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 161. When the power of God testifies as to what is truth, that truth is to stand forever as the truth. No after-suppositions contrary to the light God has given are to be entertained. I remember, I don't, I'm probably going to go over my time today a little bit because I'm waxing on a little bit. But I remember um, uh, we were approached, one of my best friends in, in when I became a Christian, I learned a lot from him. We studied a lot together. His cousin was the right-hand man to David Koresh. And I don't know if you know, does that ring a bell with you, David Koresh? They had a compound in Waco, Texas that the FBI surrounded and burnt to the ground and killed them all. And my friend's cousin was his right-hand man. And, and they came through the area on what we called recruiting. And at that time, there was a, <laughs> there was a battle going on. David Koresh's real name was Vernon Howell. And uh, Vernon Howell was the second man in charge, and I can't remember the, the guy who was running the Branch Davidians at that time. It, it fails me. But they would go around and they would recruit people. And they would visit Adventist churches because they were former Adventists, a lot of them. And, and the only reason I'm bringing this up, I remember that, that he called for the elders, and we had a meeting at my friend's house, and he went through the Bible, and they fly through the Bible. And this is what I've learned over since that time, fanatics will do. They'll jump you from one scripture to the other before you can even digest one of the scriptures that they brought out. They bring confusion in, and it's a form of, of uh, hypnotizing, mesmerizing, see? And so this is what they were doing. But I had one particular elder that was there. He was a young elder, actually. And he said, excuse me. He said, are you trying to say such and such and such? And he, he's like, yeah. And he went to start go to, and he said, I'm done. 
and he got up and he, he walked out. You see, he discerned that there, they were bringing suppositions that were contrary to the light that God had already given. And he recognized, we're not to entertain this. And this is what Ellen White said. When the power of God testifies, she says, as to what is truth, that truth is to stand forever as the truth. No after suppositions contrary to the light God has given are to be entertained. She doesn't say, okay, sit down with them and study that out. It's not even to be entertained. It's just like with me. I'm settled. In fact, you know what the shaking is? It's a settling in of the truth. That's what the prophet says. The shaking is the settling in of the truth. Well, if you're settled in the truth, are you going to entertain any suppositions against that truth? No, you're settled on it, see. She goes on, she says, Men will arise with interpretations of Scripture which are to them truth, but which are not truth. The truth for this time, God has given us as a foundation for our faith. He Himself has taught us what is truth. One will arise and still another with new light which contradicts the light that God has given under the demonstration of His Holy Spirit. And I will say, I've run into that. So, beloved, if you turn your back on something that God has revealed through His Holy Spirit is the truth, He's not going to work a miracle. Listen to me. He's not going to work a miracle to save you. He gave Jesus to save you. He left His Word to lead you to Jesus to save you. If you reject His Word, He's not going to work a miracle to save you. The miracle's in His Word. (laughs) He's not going to do that. In fact, He can't. There are rules of engagement. He can't do that. Even if He wanted to, it'd be against His character anyway. You're going to wind up going into darkness and that's going to be the end. You're going to think you're following the light because you see the devil provide his light for you, but it will not lead you to the right place. I mean, I, I could go on and talk to you about the, the prophecy, the 2300-day prophecy. And the prophet says, in 1844, Jesus and the Father got up and went into the most holy place. And she goes on and says, the devil stepped in to take their place. You see? And there were people who followed the light into the most holy place. But there were people who stood still. They stopped. And who are they worshiping? They're worshiping Satan, thinking that they're worshiping the Heavenly Father. They didn't advance with the light. And so we got to be very, very careful. Um, another example that I think of that I run in, and this is for Adventists mainly, um, is the genuineness of the gift of prophecy in the life of Ellen White. It's been demonstrated over and over and over by the Holy Spirit to be the truth. We're not at liberty to entertain uh, uh, any doctrines or ideas that are contrary to any Holy Spirit-inspired writings, period. We don't get to pick and choose. Oh yeah, I'm going to believe that. I'm not going to believe that. God has loved us so much, He's given us all the truth. (laughs) Right when we need it. It comes down... What really clicked for me was when I realized that in sending His Son to die for me, friends, we've got to make it personal because it is personal. Jesus came and died for you. He died for me. 
sometimes we kind of say, well, he died for the whole world. That makes it too general. We've got to make it personal. And when you, you get to that point and it's personal, you, I hope that you realize by doing that, not only does God love you, He has your best interest at heart in all things. So when He says to us, it's better if we do this than that, it's for our best interest to do that, see, than what we've been doing. But we've got this battle with self, don't we? And the Holy Spirit inspires people to write, and he, we went through the characteristics of the church. One of them was our present truth for today. We're going to have a prophet that's going to prepare people for the coming of Christ. We understand it to be Ellen White. We went through, and I've done a full study on it and presented it. I mean, it's just no question about it. So in the face of the evidence that God has been pleased to give us, if we turn our back on what Adventists call the spirit of prophecy, uh, in any way, which includes, I mean, there are some people, and I don't know if you've ever run into the experience, that, that say that her writings were tampered with. Well, friends, you better study that out, because, you know, I have a hard time believing that God's an all-powerful God, yet He would allow, you know, His Holy Spirit-inspired writings to be, quote, tampered with to deceive people. But, you know, that's where I'm at on it. I'm, I'm settled in that. So, um, you know, Jesus said that the one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. He thinks he's going to heaven. He's not going to heaven. And this concept that spiritual light is moving and the person who doesn't keep walking in the light finds himself in dark explains, it actually explains many spiritual phenomena that are happening all around us. Or else it'd otherwise it'd be confusing. Yeah, go clear to the back door, turn right. And you'll you'll find it. I trust you, you will. When I talk about the subject of who and what the church is, and I talk to to from inspired sources, I'll get some very severe reactions. Uh, now, I expect reactions, and I can understand some of the reactions to agree, because sometimes it's very hard to accept that you're in error, to accept that, wow, this really isn't in the Bible. I run into people who talk to them about the Sabbath. They, they say, well, yeah, it was changed to the first day, and I say, can you show me? And they'll, they'll be flipping pages for ten minutes. Well, I know it's in there, and I have to tell them, it's not. <laughs> you, you can't find it anywhere where it says it's been changed. Well, my pastor said it was changed. Well, I'm sorry. Did you ask him to quote it? Or they'll go to Jesus was raised on the third... Where does that say that the Sabbath was changed? Well, it doesn't. So, I can understand that, you know, sometimes some of these reactions, because it's it can be very hard for people. But from many... I, I'll say a lot. I, I don't know many is a good word. Um... I'll get some very extreme reactions. More times than not, I'll get assailed with something like this. Do you believe that the Seventh-day Adventist, and this is for Adventists, of course, do you believe that the Seventh-day Adventist church organization was ordained by God? Yeah, I'll get, I'll get that. And, you know, we are naturally, and this is the battle with ourself, isn't it? We are naturally very defensive when self has been offended in some way. We're all guilty of it. It happens. And it shows 
it shows us that we still have some darkness in us that we must uh, um, pick up the pace and advance in the light. Let Jesus remove that darkness from us, see? But let me ask you some questions concerning a response like that. Do you think that the church organization was ordained by God? Do Now just go with me here and think about this. Do you believe that God organized the Jewish church? Or that He had a hand in setting it up? Um, was there a time when the Jews were in the light? Yes, there was. The Jews had been called by God and chosen as His special people to give light to the world. They'd been in the light. They had all the Old Testament. And that includes the spirit of prophecy, by the way. The spirit of prophecy isn't Ellen White. Ellen White was inspired by the spirit of prophecy, the Holy Spirit. See? But we refer to that as the spirit of prophecy because she's the end time prophet. But when the light moved here with the Jews, they didn't move with it. God had more light for them, but they wouldn't accept it. They stayed put. And as a result, they were left in the dark. But they believed they were in the light. And this is a very important principle that we must come to grips with because faith is something that must be continually exercised. We're to advance in the light. We are to be exercising faith, walking in the path where the light is shown. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, He said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus didn't say there, He that stands with me, did He? He says what? He that followeth me. That means Jesus is moving. Okay? He that followeth me is going to walk. Okay? You're not going to walk in darkness. I'm the light. You're going to be walking in the light. Now, I want you to notice something uh, in Revelation 14 and verse 4 and what it says about the 144,000. It says there in verse 4, it says, These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever He goeth. They follow. When the light moves, who's the light? Jesus who's the truth, the 144,000 follow. So what I'm saying is truth is progressive and they follow that truth. The problem today is that when the light moves, there's so many people who don't want to follow it. They stay put. They're left in the dark then. You know, eventually here. And thus become spiritually blind. There was a time when they were in the light, but the light moved and they didn't move with it. Notice this from Desire of Ages, page 232. As the light and life of men was rejected by the ecclesiastical authorities in the days of Christ, so it has been rejected in every succeeding generation. Let that sink in. I mean, to me, that's another powerful statement. I mean, do you know what the word every means? I think we do. This says that in every single succeeding generation, the same thing has happened that happened to the Jews. That's a remarkable statement. But let's go on. She says, again and again, the history of Christ's withdrawal from Judea has been repeated. What? I thought we were the apple of His eye. 
I thought it's going through. Again and again, the history of Christ's withdrawal from Judea has been repeated. When the Reformers preached the Word of God, they had no thought of separating themselves from the established church. But the religious leaders would not tolerate the light. What happened? The, the religious leaders of that time, during the Dark Ages, during the Reformation, I should say, uh, uh, would not walk in the light. And those that bore it were forced to seek another class who were longing for truth. So what happened? They wanted to stay with their church. And this has happened, she says, in every generation. Jesus has left. Why? Because they stopped walking with Him. They stopped advancing with the light. And so, here in, 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 with the Jews, they stopped. Jesus left Judea. Reorganized the remnant that followed Him with the apostles, the disciples. He reorganized them, see? The Dark Ages. They stopped advancing. And as she said, we just read it, they wanted to stay, people wanted to stay with their church, but the leaders wouldn't tolerate the light. They wouldn't they rejected the light. So what that what's that mean? Well, I'm going to stay in because it's going to go through. It's the apple of God's eye. No. You gotta follow the light, right? And 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 you haven't had the opportunity to, to look at the characteristics that we studied about the church. Well, the very first characteristic that I brought out and showed it through the Bible is, is that it has the presence of Jesus. You know? Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And the prophet says, wherever Jesus is, there is his church. So if Jesus isn't there, is it God's church? There's no light there. It can't be God's church. And so, if you don't have in your heart now a deep, earnest, sincere, longing love for the truth, if you're not willing to, to walk in the truth, then I'll encourage you like I, I did just a moment ago. Go to your closet and say, Lord, please change my heart. Give me a love for the truth. I pray that almost every day. Because I scare myself. And I want to be with Jesus. And so, every morning I give my heart to the Lord and I say, Show me the truth and above all, cultivate a love for the truth in my heart. Because everyone who doesn't have a love for the truth is going to be deceived and they're going to be lost. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't love truth, you don't love Him no matter what you may profess. And there are a lot of deceived people that profess to love Jesus. <laughs> you know, I run into lots of them. But he's going to eventually say to them, unless they're changed, depart from me, ye who work iniquity, I never knew you. <laughs> they were following the false lights. Again, back to the Desire of Ages, page 232. In our day, few of the professed followers of the Reformers are actuated by their spirit. Few are listening for the voice of God and ready to accept truth in whatever guise it may be presented. That's very interesting. Have you ever thought have you ever thought through the fact that 
you don't get to choose how God is going to send you the truth. I mean, have you ever thought about that? I don't know. Maybe I just think of weird things. <laughs> but but I thought, I don't get to choose how the truth is presented to me. Let's go back to the Desire of Ages. Just think about that sometimes. Few are listening for the voice of God and are ready to accept truth in whatever guise it may be presented. Often those who follow in the steps of the reformers are forced to turn away from the churches they love in order to declare the plain teaching of the Word of God. Now that should be like a heads up right there. If you've got to turn away from your church to declare the plain teaching of God's Word, that should tell you something about that church. By the way, for the Adventists out there, do you know that there are many Adventists that I've run into that no longer leave that quotation there that I just read out of Desire of Ages? The principle involved in it. Have you heard anyone say, well, that particular principle, uh, you know, where they're, they're forced to, to leave the church to declare the truth, that ended in 1863 because that's when the SDA church organized and, and the church is the last church. I run into that a lot when I'm talking about who what the church is. I said, wow, the devil's really got it turned upside down for me. <laughs> the trouble is, friends, with that saying that that's, that's no longer true, uh, well, I don't want to get off on that tangent. It's just amazing to me. She goes on, she says, Many times those who are seeking for light are by the same teaching obliged to leave the church of their fathers that they may render obedience. So, thinking of that, remember what she, we, we read before. She said, As the light and life of men was rejected by the ecclesiastical authorities of the days of Christ, so it has been rejected in every succeeding generation. And for the Adventists, did that rejection stop in 1863? That principle? <laughs> in other words, and I've, I've touched on this a few times, there is no grand exception. The Jews got caught in that and thought that they were there was a grand exception with that. We're the descendants of Abraham. John the Baptist says, God is able to change these rocks into children of Abraham. <laughs> you, know? you see, when anyone rejects the light of truth that God has given to His people, He's turned His back on the light and He goes out into darkness. He may still call Himself a Seventh-day Adventist, but if he doesn't believe the first angel's message, which current theologians in the professed church have rejected by denouncing the teaching of the investigative judgment, well, he's gone into darkness. And friends, let me tell you, you can't with safety go to his church and listen to him preach or teach. When a person rejects the truth of the great day of atonement that began in 1844, and says that instead of afflicting your soul that we read about in Leviticus 16, it's time to celebrate. They've gone out in darkness. If a preacher says that you'll sin until Jesus comes, which I run into a lot, he's accepted Satan's fatal sophistry. You read that in Great Controversy, page 489. I'm telling you, you dare not go and listen to them preach lest you be deceived and lose your soul. We have an issue? So, 
what I'm saying is if you're not hearing the historic doctrines that we found in the Bible, that, that is Adventism preached in your church, if you're hearing the same kinds of sermons that, that you could hear in any fallen church, then you're endangering your soul. You're endangering the souls of your children. Um, so you, you either want to find a, 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 a church that is uh, what we call historic SDA church congregation or start a home church uh, where you can teach the truth at least to your own family. You know, those are just a few examples of those people who they've stopped advancing with the light, they've stopped walking in the pathway, and uh, and it's proceeded without them, leaving them in darkness. You know, do you want to stop walking, or do you want to be in the light? I'm going to be in the light. Notice this from early writings, page 125. I saw that there have, I saw that we have no time to throw away in listening to fables. Our minds should not be thus diverted, but should be occupied with the present truth, and seeking wisdom that we may obtain a more thorough knowledge of our position, that with meekness we may be able to give a reason of our hope from the Scriptures. While false doctrines and dangerous errors are pressed upon the mind, it cannot be dwelling upon the truth which is to fit and prepare the house of Israel to stand in the day of the Lord. So friends, I'm giving you a warning here. You go to your church and they're, you know, they, they deny that there's an investigative judgment. They're denying the three angels' messages. Don't go to that church. You put your eternal life in peril, friends. Let me tell you something. Every Sabbath after church, you should be more fitted to stand in the day of the Lord than before. Oh, you like that? You want me to repeat it? Every Sabbath after church, you should be more be more fitted to stand in the day of the Lord than before. But you know something the prophet wrote in early writings, page 71. She said, Oh, how many I saw in the time of trouble without a shelter. Now's our time of preparation. See? What if we what if we are currently in darkness? I mean, is there any hope for us? Let's consider Israel at the time of Christ. Did the Jews have the spirit of prophecy? Yes, they did. But when the greatest prophet, the Elijah prophet, came to them, they rejected him. And the result was that they were not ready to accept the Messiah. Now, in spite of everything that had happened, they had been in apostasy for hundreds of years. They'd been living on traditions, mainly, in spite of everything that had happened, if they had accepted the Elijah prophet, they would have turned around. You know that? We have an Elijah prophet, don't we? If we will accept the Elijah prophet and accept, accept that holy inspired spirit of prophecy and read and study and obey it, will you be saved? God doesn't play games. If you follow instructions given in the spirit of prophecy, it's Holy Spirit inspired, you will be saved. It's the same as saying you follow the Bible. You follow it's the same Holy Spirit. Ellen White was talking to ministers, and uh, being a minister, I I read her counsels to ministers, and in Selected Messages, Volume One, she said, "Brethren." Cling to your Bible as it reads. 
It's really that simple. And stop your criticisms in regard to its validity and obey the Word and not one of you will be lost. That gives me hope. You know, the plan of salvation is big enough to save everyone in the world. But if you don't advance in the light, the light moves, you're left in, in the dark. And that's what happened to the Jews. Could it happen again? Yes, it did happen again. It's dangerous not to keep up with the providence of God. The light is moving. Are you moving with it? Are you in the dark? You know, early in her experience, Ellen White saw a vision about the light. And you can read it. I'm not, you know, it's just too long and I'm running over the way it is. But um, she, she had a vision about this light. You can read it in early writings pages. Uh, I think it begins page 15. It's about five or six pages long. And in several places in her writing, she speaks about the light that was set up at the beginning of the path that the Advent Company was traveling. And it shone all the way to the Holy City. Are you familiar with that? She had that vision? This path, friends, is narrow. And if you don't have the light on the path, you're going to stumble and fall off because that path gets narrower and narrower. And we have to throw off our baggage. See? That was in the vision. And, and pretty soon, even our shoes and is, is going to be a, a tough path. But when you're walking with Jesus, it doesn't matter how tough the path is. You know, He walked the toughest path of all. <laughs> so He's qualified to be our leader in path walking, isn't He? <laughs> this path is narrow, and if you don't have the light on the path, you're going to stumble and fall off. What is the light that was set up at the beginning? Do you know what the prophet called it? It was called the midnight cry. Now, the devil knows that the midnight cry is the light set up at the beginning of the path, and he's been trying ever since the midnight cry began to get us to reject it, that message. He knows that if we reject it, we will stumble and fall off the path. And it's amazing how successful the uh, devil has been. I was talking about the midnight cry, and... uh, let me mention a few things that are involved in the midnight cry. It is the cry that the bridegroom is coming. Okay, The midnight cry is based on the Bible prophecies. Essentially, and I'll shorten this up, Daniel 8.14, the message is of 2300 days in the sanctuary services and the investigative judgment. Essentially, the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, for you Adventists, can you believe that there are Adventist teachers and preachers, and it's a rhetorical question, who no longer believe in the light of the midnight cry? They don't believe the historic message on the 2300 days, or in the sanctuary, in the investigative judgment. And beloved, let me tell you, if you're in that situation, you're in the dark. You're going to lose your way. The Lord's not going to work a miracle to save you. You've turned your back on the light and you've chosen darkness. Remember, when the Holy Spirit verifies what is light and what is truth, no after suppositions are to be entertained contrary to that truth. We're not to get into discussions as to whether it is true or not when God says it's true. If the light of the midnight cry, if that message is not being preached as truth in your church, 
I'm going to have to tell you, your church is in the dark. If the light of the three angels' messages is not being preached in your church, your church is in the dark. If the light of the investigative judgment isn't being preached in your church, if your your church is in the dark, this is present truth. If the light of the Elijah project, the spirit of prophecy, that prophet there, is not being preached in your church, sad to say, your church is in the dark. It's been, it's not advancing in the light. What about you? Are you keeping up with the light? Are you staying in the light? Are you walking in the light? The light's advancing. Are you keeping up with the prophets of God? Are you aware that the road we're traveling is getting narrower? Have you noticed it? How are you going to stay on the path and keep up with the, the, the providence of God? How are you going to be able to do that? The only way is to have faith. You've got to exercise it. The road's getting narrower, but the light's still moving. You know, what was present truth 20 years ago, gee, I'd say five years ago, uh, is not present truth today. And you and I must keep advancing in the light. We must be faithful to the truth. Friends, it, it is worth it to endure. Let me tell you something. It's worth it to endure whatever you must go through to be in the light. Remember what I said? God has our best interest at heart. you got to believe Him. Has God ever lied to you? That's an interesting question to ponder. Isn't it? Some people I've run into say, yeah, but they don't understand His Word. <laughs> Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And beloved, I say this reverently, <clears throat> and I say it advisedly. Your relationship to Jesus is to be closer than your relationship with your spouse or any other person in the world. Jesus is all you need in this world or the next one. Now that doesn't mean you're not to love your spouse and their responsibilities and their, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But your relationship to Jesus is to be number one. That is Christianity. And if you have Jesus, you know something? You have everything. <laughs> if you're going to stay on the path until the end, if you're going to be advancing with the light, you've got to develop faith. And Paul says in Romans 10.17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And if you want to have the faith that will take you through to the end, you must be studying the Bible. Study it every day. Plead with the Lord. Ask Him to give you the eye salve so that you will be able to understand spiritual things. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul said, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. You know, unless the Holy Spirit enlightens your mind, you can read and memorize the Bible, still not be in the light. Walk in the light that the Holy Spirit reveals to you. You also have to obey the light that you see Let's go to uh, Matthew 17. You know, there's a gold mine of truth in the Bible. And if we, we get on our knees and we pray and we study and we memorize it and 
Bible says the result will be that we are going to have increased faith. Because God is trustworthy. I mean, that's one of His character traits. Matthew 17, verse 19, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast Him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and what? Fasting. There's two things there. So how much praying are you doing? What about fasting? If you want to go through to the end, we're going to have to become people of prayer and fasting. And you can pray in... You know, I I heard uh, um, Pastor Brooks say one time, prayer is not posture. Now, we're to be reverent, and when we can, we kneel before the Lord. But you can pray in your car while you're driving. You can pray while you're working. You know, you can pray uh, um, anytime. Be in an, an attitude of prayer. Um, but you especially need quiet time alone with God in prayer when all the other uh, voices are hushed. I had uh, one uh, gentleman told me one time, he get, got up at 3 o'clock in the morning for devotion and Bible study, and I was like, well, that's pretty early, you know. He said, well, I want to be up before Babylon is. So he put it where it's nice and quiet and I can commune with the Lord. And where he happened to be, I guess 3 o'clock was the best time, you know. But depending on where you are, you know, you can change your time. <laughs> but I thought I always remembered that. I thought, yeah, I want to be up before Babylon. Um, so, fasting. Fasting clears the mind for meditation and prayer. Your body and organs, digestive tract, all that kind of takes a rest as well. See? And so, I, I don't think we fast often enough as a people, but that can be corrected, you know. Take a Sabbath day to fast and study and pray, I think would give us increased faith. Here's a way to spend more time in prayer. I found it to be kind of neat, and I've thought about doing this like on Wednesdays maybe. Uh, over a you know, pow talk or some, somehow. But take a chapter from the Gospels in the life of Jesus and get on our knees and pray through the chapter. It's actually remarkable. Time flies. Uh, uh, I remember years ago when, when I was a young Christian, I'd go over to my friend's house, you know, and uh, we, we'd have prayer sessions. And we'd be on our knees and, and we would pray and it seemed like five minutes, maybe ten minutes, and we'd get up and it had been three hours. And we're like, whoa. It's weird. I mean, that was just a weird experience. You go, wow. Somebody turn the clocks. What's up with that? Huh? I don't know what Okay, you're interrupting the service, honey. I forgot. I, I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> Here's one more. Yeah, you're you're still interrupting, honey. Here's one more principle that will help help us to advance in the light. Zarv Ages, page eight twenty-five. That might be a typo. 
Um, where there is no active labor for others, love wanes and faith grows dim. What is that? Active labor for others. You must not only study your Bible and fast and pray, but you must also be actively involved in missionary work. Missionary work doesn't mean I'm going over to Africa. It means wherever you are. <laughs> wherever you are is your mission field. I'm in Apopka right now. Apopka is my mission field right now. That's what I'm trying to do. Anywhere I go, I try to do something. I can leave a tract. I can talk to somebody. You know, whatever it may be. I'll share something, share something with you in a few moments about that. Um, so i got a question for you to think about. Do you want to have light from above and advance on the path to the end? You know it's going to take a miracle to remove all the darkness from your life? Because you can't do it. That's what us humans call a miracle, when it's something that's beyond our capability and it happens. It's a miracle. It's an act of God. Are you willing to let the light of Jesus shine in you? Because if you do, He's going to remove the darkness as you have complete faith in Him. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirty six, If the whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Friends, may we always advance in the light until the day when our whole body shall be overflowing in the brightness of God's love. You know what's going to happen then? We're going to see Jesus as He is. That's what I long for. I hope you do too. Uh, let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we again thank you so much for this holy Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord, for being with us and blessing us on this day, giving us a day that we can rest from not only our, our physical labors, but the spiritual battles that we uh, are so constantly in through the week. We appreciate a day that we can come apart from all of that and rest in Jesus and, and fellowship together and uh, have a peace and be rejuvenated and increase in uh, faith and, and uh, be prepared for tomorrow's battles. We thank You, Lord, for being with us in the study of Your Word. A lot to contemplate. We pray for the Holy Spirit to continue to walk with us, be with us, help us to advance with the light of truth and that we may be ready when Jesus returns we thank you for being with us as we've tried to broadcast here we know there were difficulties towards the end but we thank you that there were those who were able to listen in part to the truth we pray that the Holy Spirit will finish that message in them and Father please continue to be with us throughout this day and the coming days ahead for we ask this in Jesus name